say a couple of things quickly about who I am and then what I'm going about to share with you tonight. Uh, I am originally from Costa Rica. 17 years ago, I came here, almost 18 years ago, uh, to be a professor in a seminary here to teach Christian education. And that's why you will notice here and there my touches as an educator more than a preacher. Um, and so for almost 10 years, I was a, a faculty professor teaching Christian education to mostly Anglo students. And then in the last six years, I felt called to work for AED, something I was longing for in serving the Hispanic Latino community in, in this country. I was cocooned for almost 10 years in a mostly white seminary, longing to, for the seminary to do something with Hispanics and it never happened. And so uh, lo the Lord opened this door for me to work for AED, the Association of Hispanic Theological Education, which is in the midst of a, a, what we call the ecology of, of theological, Hispanic theological education, because it's an organization that promotes the collaboration, the connection, and the contribution of all sectors of theological education. Pastors, directors of Bible institutes, deans and presidents of seminaries. And we want to promote the best quality possible for our leaders, which usually are denied access to seminaries. And a theological education that also is relevant for the needs and interests of our Hispanic Latino community. And just to share with you, in the next two weeks, I'll be meeting with these three levels of people. And next week, I'll be meeting a worship for directors of, for instructors of Bible Institutes of the Church of God of the Prophecy in Tennessee. At the end of the week, I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona, with pastors, mostly of Mexican descent, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And that, by the way, we are doing this in combination with uh, Dr. Danny Roman, and we're talking about preaching and mission. And then the first week of December, I'll be talking, uh, uh, be leading a workshop for presidents of ATS schools who wants to know about, uh, well, they, they asked me to talk about Hispanic Latino students in uh, ATS schools. Uh, and in that sense, we, as you said, not because of my own uh, making or desire, God had placed us ahead in ahead as a way of connecting all the levels of theological education. Because unless theological education is connected with the needs of the church and the world, theological education is just good for degrees. And um, we believe that theological education is, should be for more than that. Now, if you allow me, I will also uh, ask you to do something that I usually did when I was a pastor myself in Costa Rica, and yes, that I didn't, uh, I, I consider that worship or being in worship requires for everybody to be next to somebody. Being in church or being at church is not something we do just individually. We even change some hymns to make it plural, like the Lord's Prayer. We don't pray, uh, my Father who is in heaven, we pray our Father. Give us today. Come, your kingdom come to us. So if, if it is okay, I will ask for those who are there to find somebody to sit next to. Uh, if it's not too much to ask. Um,
Then also, um, thank you. Thank you for being willing to do that. Now I need somebody here, and uh, I think it's going to be enough for everybody to get one to share. Um, one for each, please. Maybe because I, I'm missing uh, teaching in, in a classroom, I was thinking to have a more uh, a class than uh, a sermon, and so I'm going to probably combine both. If you allow me to, and I'm being being made aware of, you should be here before, um, out by before 6:30. So I promise that will happen. Uh, I, I do believe that certainly in our society, in today's world, we need to make work go together with images and, and actions and, and relationships. Uh, and that's why um, I, I try to use uh, another way of listening to the scripture uh, and also another way to reflect together in this, uh, uh, on the scripture. As we were hearing earlier, we are living in a time in which many things are happening and not necessarily good things. And how can we be grateful? How can we be grateful for things when things are not necessarily the way we, we would like them to be? Of course, it is easy and even natural to be thankful when things are the way we like or they are the way we want them to be. Fácil es cantar cuando reina la paz. There is a hymn that says, it is easy to sing when everything goes well. But it is hard to be thankful when things not only are not the way we would like them to be, but even worse when they seem to be threatening our lives, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and this at the personal level, at the family level, at the community level, at the country level. And if there is something that some of our leaders today are taking advantage of is to make us feel fearful of what is going on. And we live, we live kind of a state of fear. Uh, some people don't want to watch any more the news because every day something new bad is coming out. And still we are called to celebrate this week. How are we going to do it? And I want to share with you this thought and then reflect together on this. And yet for us as followers of Jesus, giving thanks is not reserved for when everything is going as we want. Giving thanks is an action that paradoxically can bring hope when it takes place even when the injustices of the world that lead to the cross or the inclement weather leads to destruction and despair. And here I would like to ask you to remember two, two, two characters, two uh, people from the scripture. Actually three. The third one will come later. But Jesus. Can you think of Jesus giving thanks during the night that he was betrayed? He took bread, broke it, and gave thanks. And he knew what I mean, recently it has been very bad happening. People pressuring him, accusing him, trying to kill him, 
That night he will be betrayed. In a few days he will be killed. And still he takes the time to break, to break bread and give thanks. And we just heard a, a, a scripture passage, very dramatic. Uh, it sounds like the movies of, uh, uh, we are watching today in, on, on movie theaters. Uh, a lot of drama. Everything's going on. Paul. And I, I would like to put you in context uh, with that little uh, piece, um, handout that I gave you. Put you in context of this passage. Um, and uh, as, what, as I was preparing this reflection, I, I took a much larger appreciation, a bigger appreciation that I have of Paul, the missionary, the missionary who now is the prisoner. And as you have there, uh, he has been taken as a prisoner from Caesarea to Rome. And you can see in the map, uh, though the countries there have the names of today's uh, uh, countries, uh, those are the names today. But he's living from what is Israel, being accused of preaching by the Jews things that they were not happy with. And so, number one, we have Caesarea, or Caesarea. In Jerusalem, Paul evangelizes about Jesus. This angers a group of non-believers who retaliate by starting a riot. Paul is arrested. He's taken to, how do you call that, Caesarea? And, and questioned him. And after being in trials with Agrippa and Felix, he says, Send him to Rome. He said that he's a Roman citizen, so he's going to be judged in Rome. And so he's, he takes a long trip. It's going to take over two years to get to Rome since he lives here in number one. And you can see all the places, and, and the, the, I'm going to read that, but the passage that we started reading starts in number four. In number four, so you can see the map there you just count the number four dot and that's from where our, our text starts i think i brought my bible if you have yours uh, please uh, open the again the text uh, acts 27 and it seems that there is a kind of show of of good weather and a soft wind, verse 13, from the south began to blow, and the men thought that they, would, they could carry on their plan, so they pulled up the anchor and sailed as close as possible along the coast of Crete. But the story tells us that things didn't go the way they expected, and so they had to travel uh, in different ways, trying to avoid the winds that may uh, turn the, the boat sink. But I will, what I would like to highlight here with you is a few, a few pointers for your, your own reflection. The first is that Paul is, is doing this trip from being a miss, missionary as a prisoner for the cause of the gospel of Jesus. He's being accused for speaking against the Jewish law, the temple, and the people of Israel. 
he's talking about a new law. He's talking about a new law, a new people. Not only the Israel people, but Gentiles are now part of God's people too. He's talking about ways in which the law cannot be applied to everybody. And the Jews thought that the law steals the law. And, and Paul is saying there is a new law in Christ. And so as part of his defense, not only he continues giving his testimony through the trip uh, about how Jesus called him to preach the gospel, he also appeals to Caesar as a Roman citizen that he is, and this, that's what takes him to this trip. At one point in the trip, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 27, Paul advised the captain and the owner of the trip that it would be dangerous to continue the trip. And this is a very interesting thing if you think about it. Who is Paul to tell a captain, a sailor, an expert, when it's good to sail and when it's not? And here there is a, a something that Dr. Justo Gonzalez raised as a, an interesting highlight in his commentary on, on this in the book of Acts. That he says that sometimes we know we have a word, a prophetic word to say, and we are silenced by the experts because we are not politicians, we are not people that are not about economy, we are not people that know about ecology. What should we say to the people what is right or wrong to, uh, uh, to do? But I think today, even though we are not experts on these fields, if we have a vision of what God's once for all of us, for the world, for nature, I think we have advice to give to those in power. Yeah, we may not know much about economics, but we know there are laws that favor more, some people more than others. And there are laws that are going to be changed that are going to benefit certain people more than others. And not necessarily the people that are the most needed. We may not know much about global warming, but we know that God cares about nature, about all creation. And I think there are things that we can say to people that there may be laws, political laws, economic laws, that may put us in a journey that is very dangerous. And from the word of God, from God's vision for everybody, I think there may be times in which we should, should stand up and say, listen, it may not be appropriate for us to go that way. Shouldn't we? Dr. Justo Gonzalez says, our authority is not based on being experts in matters of economy, politics, ecology, or health but in having a clear vision of the future that God has promised for everybody. That may not be something that we are willing or able uh, or think are able to do. But certainly there is a word here that Paul has toward the experts. Now, another thing here is that we must be willing to trust in God's promises and uh, throw away even valuable things to protect the most valuable thing we have, which is life. And as you heard in the, in, in the story, there were many things that were thrown out of the ship. 
at the end of the passage, even the, the wheat that they were carrying, they're willing to throw in order to save thy life. And uh, I think here it is crucial that sometimes in order to survive, we should be willing to let go the things that we treasure, and they are valuable, but they are not as valuable as the core central messages of our gospel. And uh, for me here, it is critical to think that the church, in the midst of storms that are going through, we need to be, if, if we're going to survive as an institutional church, there are a few things that we may need to throw away in order to make it through the journey. Because if we stick to the things that we think we value, don't pay attention to what really value, which is the lives of the youth, of the new generations, of all kinds of people coming to our church. If we stick to what we think is valuable, uh, we're going uh, to make it. We're not going to get there. And Paul and these people realize that there are things that we need to throw away to get to the point in which God is calling us to go. In this dramatic story, Paul is like a hero, similar to the heroes of the Marvel of, of the Marvel movies or the sea movies, that it, it all depends on them. Have you seen these movies in which they are the saviors of the world? They are the, but, but in a way, Paul is. And when you look at the verse uh, 24, God is, is telling uh, Paul, it is because you that everybody here is going to be saved. What if what is going on in your family is going to be good if something that you do is going to make a difference? In which way what the church does is going to be critical for where the world will go? And uh, it seems that we, we, may, we may need to be willing to be heroes, to take the role of saying, much depends on us. Now, let, let us remember another story. That's the third character that I mentioned earlier, uh, Jonah. You remember Jonah? Here we have the opposite. <laughs> it was because his lack of faithfulness and trust in God's call that the ship, the ship was uh, sinking. And there are many people today willing to throw out everything that has to do with the church because they don't think the church is being faithful to the needs and the storm and don't have a message in the midst of the storm. The lives of everybody in the ship, Roman captain and soldiers, captain and owner of the ship, sailors, passengers, everybody was saved because the leadership of Paul and Paul's faith in the call he has received. Contrary to the story of Jonah, in whose, in whose case it was all the opposite. The ship was sinking because of him. And we have to say that many times in churches, the churches are sinking not because the people in the benches. It's because the people behind the pulpit. Because they are not willing to take all what it takes to be obedient to God's call. Paul's actions remind us of communion when he says, hey, let's, let's take time. 
let's take time. We all tired. Let's gather around that would give us life. Jesus, his person, his message. And it's a reminder of communion here. He, he partakes. He doesn't say that they have wine there or anything like that to have the both elements. But, but it's the image that comes to us that reminds us of the importance of gathering around what is crucial and central to who we are, Jesus, Jesus, what he did for us and what he wants us to do for, with him and for him. Taking bread, giving thanks, and breaking it together makes the church a sign of hope for the world. So how we need to be willing to make communion a place where we do it, not just for the people that is like us and think like us, but they need communion. They, they need to see in act that we value life, the life that is given us in Jesus. We live in a society that is plagued with, by injustices such as those that brought Jesus to the cross and Paul to Rome, where they would be eventually killed. And although that not be the case for us, of being in danger to be killed, though uh, you never know where you are and who may show up with a gun. We certainly live in a world shaken by hurricanes and earthquakes, both literally and metaphorically. Can we name some? Well, I think we did in the list of prayers, uh, concerns for prayer. Many of our brothers and sisters live in hiding from immigration authorities in the case of Hispanics. There are almost a million of people close to be expelled from this country in spite of the, being the best trained people in some cases for the Hispanic community because there are laws that aren't necessarily just. Others still weep over the ruins of that the earthquakes have left in Mexico, and others are struggling to continue their lives after hurricanes that hit areas here in the United States, in the Caribbean islands, and Puerto Rico. So what I would like to invite you today is that in this Thanksgiving season, and particularly when we come to Thanksgiving Day, let's think and stand our arms and our prayers above all to those who apparently don't have any reasons to give thanks for. Like Jesus on the night that he was delivered, that he was betrayed, or Paul on the ship that was capsizing. That today in our thanksgiving will be not only for uh, what we have at the table, or for the loved ones around the table, but also for those suffering brothers and sisters who, like Jesus and Paul, will be giving thanks in the most difficult circumstances. We will be giving thanks not only for what we have, but also and especially for those who hold us. As we break the bread on the table this Thursday, let us also ask the Lord the bread of life to help us to share the bread that feeds the body and the bread that feeds the spirit of those around us. And let us pray that God, like Jesus and then Paul, then our sharing of the bread in the presence of all, that is a sign of hope for this hurting world. Amen.